Thanks for listening to Bootleg Avocado, bringing you stories in the food and cannabis startup world. I'm your host, Mario Rodriguez. And in this episode, we chat with Serafina Palandic of A Boring Life. They're makers of chef-curated, all-natural snack foods that are infused with CBD and hemp extract to better support your lifestyle and give you a little bit of break from all your stress. So check them out at aboringlife.com. Welcome to Bootleg Avocado. We are sitting down with Serafina Palandek of A Boring Life. Hey, Serafina, how you doing? Hi, Mario. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for uh, for doing this interview. Um, we have you on the panel of uh, Bootleg Avocado Presents, uh, and we're really excited to kind of explore at least your story in, in this respect. That way people get an idea of kind of where you're coming from, what your products are, and they can come with you know, questions if, if they have them, you know? Um, so let's start with um, kind of your 30-second pitch about A Boring Life. Sure. So A Boring Life is a chef-curated snack company. Um, we're creating delicious, nutritious foods to support a more relaxed lifestyle. So we actually, we live on a lavender farm in a town called Boring, Oregon. Okay. And what we wanted to do was create a line of products, snack products, that feature hemp and CBD as a superfood. Mm, okay. I, d- I tasted a f- uh, your, at least your three initial products. I know that you guys are expanding into a couple other things, which we'll talk about in a second. But before we jump into that, we're going to do a little icebreaker or empathy question to get a little bit personal. Um, so I got a deck of cards in front of me. I'm going to pick a card and I'm going to read you the question. And again, the way you want to answer this is more on a personal level, um, more than, you know, in regards to your business. But again, you could take this any way you want. Okay. Um, All right. The question is, who has challenged you to be better than you once were? Oh, my gosh. Um, Certainly my daughter. Um, and certainly my wife, right? Okay. So I think that in the most intimate relationships that I have, um, being a mom, so my daughter's nine, mm-hmm. um, and being a mom has been the most spectacular, rewarding, interesting experience I think I've had. And I just, I and I think it relies it relates to personal and business. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, those two things are almost always the same, you know. I am a definite entrepreneur. This is my second startup. I've been doing this for about, I've been doing startup work for about 10 years. Right. Um, so there's often no, no difference between my work life and my home life. Um, and I think, you know, and I've raised a young child, right? So we started our first, I started my first business when my daughter was nine months old. Um, and grew a very high growth company, um, which we then exited. And then I decided to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right into it. <laughs> it seems like so, you did right um, into it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. There is no break. There's no break. And most people do get a break or they, they're like, Oh, I kind of want to focus on this, but dive. Right. So what, what kind of brought you to, okay, 
it was Hip Chicks Farms, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, 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 well, here's the thing, right? So I had, um, I had decided to, when I got pregnant, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that for maybe six months before I realized I was going out of my mind. Couldn't be a stay-at-home I mean, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, but I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom who worked. I wanted to have my career. It was very, very important to me. Um, and, and also, you know, here's the other thing. I wanted to model the behavior that I want my kid to have have right so i wanted her to know that you know to, to grow up with a with parents that are following their dreams and be uh-huh. true to their values and ethically driven to do what they feel is the right thing in the world right and also has their own life right and and travels and all the things that i you know it's difficult to be in a to have a startup it's risky it's uh lots of tr- we, i've always had a lot of travel yeah as part of my business um and that's all hard but but i've made we've made it work in a way that I think is really wonderful, and I make it work in a way that um, take puts my family first. Right, you know? right. So we built model fa- uh, businesses that put family first. And it's good so, for for your child to see that there's a balance. You know, like uh, I think that's that's one thing that a lot of a lot of kids don't see. Um, at least for me, my my dad growing up, like he wasn't around that much because he worked so much. You know, like I saw my dad on the weekends. You know, um, yeah. But exposing your, your, your children to you being happy in what you're doing and also you being around as much as you can, it, it just that whole balance is, you know, it, it's, it's good to expose them to that to, for them to learn, you know, what that kind of looks like, you know? Yeah. And, you know, taking risk, dealing with success, dealing with failure, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, that has been, a, a you know, of course, a huge part of our story is, or my story is like, how do I cope as an entrepreneur? How do I cope with failure? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's really relevant to where we're at right now in the hemp industry and the yeah. CBD industry. Cause it's so challenging. We're in such a gray area where things change from day to day. So, you know, the strategy I put into place 24 hours ago, I might have to check out the window <laughs> and do a, you know, do a pivot and do, yeah. do something else the next day. Yeah, because it, it, it changes all the time as far as regulatory, as far as you making a plan. Okay, so you're, you're trying to put your marketing plan together, distribution plan. It, I'm sure it derails you every now, you know, so many times. You're just getting all messed with all the time. All the time, yeah. yeah. So, what's, so let's, let's talk about your kind of your trajectory as far as, you know, starting this particular type of company that's in the cannabis world, also in the food world how much of an emphasis do you put on one or the other number one and number two you know how does that inter- how does that involve or influence the the product development side of it so i yeah i mean i've definitely thought of us as a food company first mm-hmm. um a, how i see hemp as is you know as this amazing plant plant that has the opportunity to help us heal our minds and our bodies in our environment, right? And I think that it should be utilized in every way possible to, you know, leverage for the greatest success possible. You know, our background, um, my background is the, the last company did we did was a food company. Mm-hmm. So um, we really see, see ourselves as a food company. Yeah. And, um, and so when, when we jumped into this, I was seeing hemp as another ingredient, right? One that we really wanted to make sing and highlight and, and leverage to the best of our ability. Of course. Um, and then I got into the world of cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and um and, and learned a lot uh, in a very short time um and was exposed to you know different ways of doing things different ways of seeing things um and and still uh, an industry that's um somewhat in its early stages of development yeah you know, particularly with legality and um reg- the regulatory environment mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. That was that was a really interesting learning curve um, for me um, to learn the ins and outs of the financial um, situation and the accounting and the taxation and all of the, you know all of the regulatory that goes along with with the cannabis industry. Yeah. Um, now we did have so our food industry our food company before was an organic chicken company, mm-hmm. which is incredibly highly regulated, mm. right? So our experience really was coming from a place of high a high regulatory background. Um, so I walked into this thinking it would be the same, only to find out that we were uh, we have consistently been following a much higher regulatory standard yeah. um, than either what's requested or expected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think that ultimately gives us a leg up. Um, I'm hoping, right, in the long run, that that gives us a leg up. Um, but that is not the case. So there's not there's not a lot of standardization. Um, so, so uh, for in, in sourcing from suppliers and understanding farmers, we're all not really speaking the same language yet, right? So that's challenging. Right. So, what about the? Um, so, I'm sure you had a a uh, a timeline of how you wanted certain things to be accomplished. What has been the difference? So, what's something that you're like? Okay, we're doing this, this, and this. And then come to reality, it's actually this, this, and this. And we'll take us through the, the the early stages of this of of the company. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we at the beginning of the year. So we just started a year ago, um, and we had secured uh, merchant processing through Elevon, Elevon mm. um, and then they divested of any of their CBD hemp businesses. Okay. So we were without a merchant processing um, account for. Uh, significant period of time wow. kind of the same thing with banking we ultimately did um get merchant accounting um through a provider um it seemed as though, so early in the year you know so first there's the 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 passing of the farm bill everybody's super excited there's a lot of positive movement in the right direction um and uh we moved the business forward in terms of you know we had developed the product line mm-hmm. we had established our business Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a go-to-market strategy, which was through multiple channels of distribution, but primarily through grocery, right? right so, right. Um, because that's uh, that's how we built our business last time, um, through Walmart and Kroger and Whole Foods and mm-hmm. Iso- Big Boys, all, all of those things. Yeah. So, uh, so when we launched our product line in May, um, a lot of grocery stores were incredibly excited about our product and other CBD products, and we're bringing them in. Um, that then seemed to take a that seemed to slow down over the fall mm-hmm. and pretty much stopped in the winter, <laughs> right? So I haven't seen. In fact, I've seen a retraction, right? I've seen stores taking CBD products off their shelves, whereas some cities are now allowing it. So it's kind of all over the map. So my my go to market strategy is has been chucked out the window. Instead, it's more of a you know, we're we're really focused and drilled drilled, drilled down on the regional opportunities, uh, like in Oregon and Colorado, where it's totally legal and stores are selling it. Yep. So you can definitely focus on 
on a locale type of approach versus okay trying to blanket everything and then have to re repel back to what what you're dealing with yeah 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 so it's um it does seem to change often um so we've had to be nimble we've you know introduced some new products mm -hmm. Um, and uh, now we're going to open up our own shop, so we're in process on that as well. Okay. Um, and interestingly enough, this is a whole new opportunity I didn't even expect. Uh, we're selling our products in China. Yes, so the Chinese market is what people are saying is, is the, next, the, the next big market right now. Yeah. Um, so, ha so, okay, let's, before we get into China, let, um, okay. <laughs> what I wanted, to, I know there's so many things happening. I, I know we met yeah. over a year ago uh, or about a year ago, and I know that you guys had the three product lines. So let, let's talk about the product. So what are what were the initial three product lines, and then what are the new additions, and how did you get to that point? Sure. So we started with nuts. Uh, we did a line of uh, roasted almonds with lavender, mm -hmm. dark chocolate and sea salt, and a sweet and spicy walnuts. We did that for a number of reasons. Um, well, I love vegan snacks. I love protein, high protein snacks and the omega threes help with the um, absorption um, into your own system, like of the, of the cannabinoids into your own system. Yep. So it's a great source of protein, easy to adopt, right? So we put it for, we wanted to put the CBD forward in a way, CBD edibles forward in a way that's really easy for folks to understand, right. you know? Um, so started with those three um, and then we um, added a tincture simple, uh, so a thousand milligram pemperament. Uh, then we just introduced a line of honeys. So we actually do honey here. We have beekeep we have a beekeeper here at our farm. Ah, okay. uh, we have a small farm here in the Pacific Northwest outside right. of Portland. And our beekeeper has 800 hives, not, I mean, some here on our property, but in the surrounding area. And uh, the more I learn about raw honey and also how honey and hemp can work together, how bees and hemp can work together, and mm -hmm. the opportunity there, I became more and more fascinated with that as well. Yeah. So we just introduced this line of honeys. Uh, people are really excited about it. It's raw honey um, that it's infused with fruits and nuts and hemp extract and hemp seeds. And it's just a really beautiful product. Yeah, I was looking at it on Instagram, and it looks awesome as far as the... Very Instagrammable. <laughs> very Instagrammable, like all the textures put together. Look, I, I just, I want to put that all over my, all my food. Um, so if you, when you come to New York, definitely bring, if you can bring me a nice little jar, that would be awesome. Of course, I'll bring yeah. you samples. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that would be great. Um, so what, how did you kind of derive from nuts to honey and what are other, like what's, what's the process behind that? Um, so, well, um, one is availability and sourcing, mm -hmm. you know, so looking, really looking at like what's available locally, what we're growing here on our farm and yeah. how that integrates well with our product line. Um, so a lot, some of the nuts that we're using, uh, for our nut line, we're using in our honey line as well. So we really see it as an, as a line extension. Got it. Okay. Um, and then honey has so many great properties and, uh, folks are so excited about honey in general right now as we all, I think the bee was. The bee was just named the, the most important species on the planet. Uh -huh. um, so I think we're all looking at ways to help support bees and, and grow hives across the country. Yeah, no, that's, I know with the, uh, the almond epidemic with the bees, um, I know that's happening a lot on the West Coast. Um, 
so yeah, I, I definitely see the the <laughs> the value in focusing on things like like honey. Um, let's talk about um, as far as I think a, a lot of people do have questions as far as like starting out, um, really understanding. You know, you went from uh, you know trying to to blanket different cities and, and states to really focusing on on a very ultra local approach. So, you know, let's say someone's trying to start out in, in this world. Um, where, where would you want them to start or think about first before they actually jump in? Yeah, so I think that, I think where we're at today as an industry is, again, very in its infancy. Um, and I think that the folks that are going to win and that have long-term longevity mm-hmm. um, is folks that can build a strong brand Right, and by that I mean have an excellent product, but somebody who has a brand that resonates and speaks to consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, brand is is number one of building that. Really knowing who you are, right? Like, who is your company? What are you trying to do? And who is your customer? Who are you speaking to? Yeah. Um, so we drill down as much as possible on like who exactly our customer is, who she is, what she does, what her kids' names are, what pets she has, where she works. <laughs> Where she shops. No, I'm serious. Like we have an entire identity for this woman. Yeah. You know, and then that informs every decision we make in terms of our strategy. Um, uh, and then, and then I think also the most important to start out is to really understand what's coming down the pipeline in terms of re- regulatory enforcement. Mm. Right. So be prepared to deal. Like start out with really good good manufacturing practices, um, be able to withstand an audit, know your suppliers, make sure you're only sourcing excellent um, cannabis or hemp or CBD, you know, so you really understand that, how it's being processed. Um, I think that sourcing and uh, ensuring that you have really good sourcing in place Mm -hmm. is going to be critical because I think that folks are going to fall out. I think we're going to lose a lot of smaller companies as, um, if this continues in the way that it has been in the last while. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I think, is it something, is it also because of the taxes that are imposed, especially in like California and, and stuff like that? Also, you know, cash is, is, is like your bloodline. So I know if, if you can't outlast, you know, it's it's time to close the doors. Um, so as yeah, far as- and, and also like the, you know, all of the capital that was going into the, into the industry, which was building it so quickly, is now kind of dried up as well. I mean, not entirely, but certainly in the last few months, I feel like it's definitely slowing down. Yeah. Is it is it safe to say if you do want to launch a brand like this, um, a food and, and CBD brand, you need at least three quarters of a million dollars to start? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and that's on totally. the low end, maybe, right? I, yeah, I don't know. I would I put that number on it, but I think you're totally right. Yeah, I think you're totally right. You have to have a war chest. Yeah, you know, um, you know, there's definitely ways, you know, to to be scrappy mm-hmm. and to bootstrap things. Yeah, but grocery is a very expensive industry to launch into. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I would say it's also a, like a. I feel like food and beverage folks are just such amazing people, you know, and there's so many good. Um, industry groups to rely on to help navigate your way through it. You know, so like up here we have a Pacific Northwest food and beverage group. There's like 250 of us and we just email each other all day long. Like, what are you, who's this buyer? Mm -hmm. How do I do this? Where do I get a steam kettle? 
you know, literally it's like all day long we're asking each other questions. So I feel like there's a great opportunity for community building. No, there is. Yeah, yeah, and it's a necessity, you know, like it's a necessity in, in especially in the startup stages to have collaborations and partnerships like it, it, people can't really do it on its own, on their own, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, at least what I'm experiencing now as I'm putting together the bootleg avocado events, you know, it's it's about collaborations and partnerships and like tapping into the different groups that exist within food in general, but also cannabis has their own groups as well. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it all helps to kind of bring it together and, and support each other. So I, you know, <laughs> I, I definitely understand the, 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 the mark and, and how you guys have, have been able to grow the brand and, and meet people and kind of extend it that way. I don't think, I mean, what do you think? But I don't think it should be two separate industries. I feel like it shouldn't, it should be the same. It, it's it's a it's like you said it's a it's a it's food, and the in and the ingredient is is kind of cannabis CBD hemp. You know, it's just you know I think it's it's one, you know, um I think maybe the the pro even the process of kind of the um uh infusion process like things like that. It's very similar to doing molecular gastronomy or you're doing pastry, things that are very precise and, and that need attention, at least on the culinary yeah. side, I would say, you know. Um, yeah. So there's definitely a lot, I think, a lot of best practices that happen in, in both that it should be the same. Um, what, what, you know, what have you heard, like, you know, other people who, who have, uh, you know, have their foot in both, both industries, what, what's kind of been the consensus on, on approach and of really, you know, making it, making the product the best it can? Well, I think that, I think most of us are concerned with flavor first, mm-hmm. you know, making the, the best tasting product. Um, and then second, and then just as equally important um, on ensuring uh, transparency around like what we're saying is in the product is in the product right you know creating trust with the consumer I think is incredibly important right now mm-hmm. I will say that you know I was just at the fancy food show in San Francisco a couple days ago okay yeah and, um, the winter fancy food show right yeah yeah and there was maybe two uh, two CBD companies there oh. there was almost none there was us and one other woman wow and then some CBD companies came by. We're walking the show, and there is um, everyone is having a very difficult time at the moment. I would say it's not. I would. <laughs> I would say it's not a great time for for food in 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 CBD right now, or CBD in food and CBD yeah. in hemp right now. Yeah. Um, because we're at this particular point where um, there's a demand without the opportunity for um, you know, for growth or expansion into the customer's hands, right? Mm-hmm. Combined with a, a lack of a regulatory environment and all of the challenges around some of the financial institutions that were banking. Like I just heard that um, Bank of the West moved into the cannabis space in what May, I think mm-hmm. June, mm-hmm. July. This summer, Bank of the West brought on a bunch of hemp. Um, companies, companies yeah. and now they're uh, divesting of them. Oh, only in a matter of months. What? Only in a matter of months. I, they, I haven't heard from them yet, but 
uh, I know other people in the CBD space who are getting their accounts shut down by Bank of the West. Wow. So, yeah, so so it's a tough time, right? It's a tough time. And that's what I think I hear from every single other CBD food company I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I also think that if we can get through this little uh, roadblock, um, there's a huge, vast opportunity, you know? Like the folks that can stick with it through this, this little weird period of time um, will be ultimately very successful. You know, it reminds me of, in some ways, it reminds me of the organic movement in the 70s, okay. right? Where people were like, doesn't really matter. Who really cares? Is this all, <laughs> is this all fake anyway? Yeah, yeah. You know? And, and it, they were up against like trying to, you know, the, the people in the organic movement were out like pulling trying to find crops that had like orchards that had been left to overgrow, mm-hmm. you know, that hadn't been sprayed. Like there was an entire movement of people trying to convince the rest of the world that it was important for organic food to exist. Right. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have retailers. They didn't have an organic trader association. They didn't have any of that. And now it's the kind of the, the, the gold standard. Right. So, like, that's how I see our industry is like, we're just at the very beginning. We're a bunch of evangelists who believe in this passionately. Mm-hmm. And we're making up the rules a little bit because a lot of people don't think it's as important as we do. It's, it's pioneering, you know, like you. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's going to take some time. It's going to take, you know, there could be some mergers. There could be, you know, in order to sustain, there could be other ways that people can get creative about their businesses and, and trying to help each other out in some other way, you know? Um, it, it's going to take a couple of years. You know that. And a lot of people know that, you know? It's not like, it's not a gold rush, as a lot of people think. It's not hype that a lot of people think. There's definitely a lot of, you know, hype out there. But I think for the people that can stick around and can outlast, I think it's, there's going to be a, a good, a good uh, you know, a good day that's going to come to it. Exciting to think about what's to come. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, but it's 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 also research needs to catch up. We need people just need time to research yeah. a lot of the benefits, um, you know, and a lot of the other ways in which we can really integrate this in food. You know, food is such a vast type of uh, concept and and thing that people eat and consume. There's other ways that we can really, you know, given once the research kind of catches up to really make sure it, it, it sings the way it should and, and complement each, each other, each component the way it should. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so let's take a quick little break. Um, when we jump right back in, let's talk about China and let's talk about kind of the future of a boring life. Um, and also I want to talk about your your team, like how have you kind of like constructed it from the beginning? Has it changed? And what are the ways that you suggest someone to kind of staff their, their startup, this type of startup initially? Okay. Great. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back to bootleg avocado. We are sitting down with Serafina Palandic of A Boring Life. So Serafina, let's chat 
Um, let's work backwards this way because I know I said that we're going to talk about team last, but let's talk about team first here. So, you know, how did you establish your team in the beginning and has, how has it changed, you know, in, in, the, in the year that you guys have been in, in business? Yeah, so I was really lucky. Uh, we had previously built scaled an, uh, an organic food company mm-hmm. um, when I and then we sold that so when I started a boring life I went back to um, some of the key members of our team um, mm-hmm. from hip chicks and asked you know told them about my idea and uh, asked them if they wanted to get involved um, and they did so so I was really lucky to to have some of the folks from my previous team join me on this adventure okay. um, and that was we were really lucky because that gives us a shorthand right like we already know how to work together we already know how to talk together yeah, yeah. we already know what the uh, desires are uh, and then I recruited some new folks too um, so I had the pleasure of uh, joining Canopy Boulder the accelerator program yep. in uh, Boulder for cannabis companies and um, met a ton of great folks there, which, you know, I really wanted to plug into the cannabis space. You know, mm-hmm. I know food people. I wanted to, I wanted to recruit some people from the cannabis space. So, yeah. um, that was, that, that was incredibly lucky too. Our president of sales, uh, Kelly Bruce came from, um, from a connection at Canopy. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I, you know, I don't think there's really a specialized, uh, cannabis need for us in particular uh, mm-hmm. or a further process brand right yeah. so we need folks that um, have experience in the food space has been really effective for us mm. and then uh, like like you said you had a chef in your back pocket your your wife correct yeah there's that too. <laughs> yes. that helps that way yeah that yeah. helps quite a bit yeah yeah, yeah. so Jen, uh, Jen's background is uh, she so let's see at a culinary school she went and worked at uh, Chez Panisse for 10 years. Oh, Chez Panisse, yeah. All of those amazing folks. Mm-hmm. And then she private chefed for Ann and Gordon Getty in San Francisco for 16 years. Okay. It's incredible. Uh, and then we started Hip Chick Farms, and, and now, you know, she's obviously the chef and uh, producer for A Boring Life. Yeah, yeah. So what's, what's kind of her inspiration for um, – I'm sure she does a lot of um, – infuse foods at home and all that stuff what's kind of her like repertoire and things that she likes to like dip her toe in and and play around with um she i think she mostly like focuses on kind of mediterranean flavors Mm -hmm. kind of her um her kind of cooking style i don't know californian mediterranean california style i guess yeah um but she's been you know she's been doing some really cool work with um developing the um, developing vegan options. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been really fun. And we're trying to do a lot of, uh, she's been working on gluten-free and some, a lot of sugar-free options also, okay. yeah. which is also, I mean, that hasn't been her jam in the past. Um, but I think it's incredibly compelling to look at some of the, um, paleo and keto options. And so she's been playing around with some of that recently as well. Great. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the uh, expansion to China. So how did you, um, you know, make those contacts out there? And, you know, what, what was kind of the process behind behind that? And, you know, how that opportunity come to be? Sure. So um, we I met um, a gentleman, Bob Chen, also a Canopy Boulder. Okay. Uh, he 
um, has he is from China, has friends in China, and so he started a distribution, um, CBD distribution into China. Ooh, very um, smart. So he's the he wants to be the Steve D'Angelo of China. <laughs> <laughs> Does he have the little th- the the, the dre- um the long hair? Like I told him he needs some growth braids. Yeah, does um, he have like cool hat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Anyway, yeah. so he started this um just a couple months ago and it's taken off. Wow. So um we are literally live in China as of a few days ago. Congrats. Um, thank you. Well, it's you know, it's it's primarily Bob's doing. I'm just uh, creating product and supplying the product. But yeah, he's taking it out to he's he has a huge audience and he had taken it out to them first. Mm. So here's the thing is that you can't have, you have to have 0% THC for Chinese products. Zero, zero. Okay. Got it. But that's not possible. Yeah. I right? was going to so, say like, how, how do you, yeah. How, okay. Yeah. So anyway, so that's interesting. I, we, we got it to, it's an acceptable measure. Uh, okay. For them. Like 0. 0.00 something. Exactly. It's 0. Yeah. 0.00 something. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, so yeah, so we're, he's taking us into, I think, Hong Kong and Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, we're looking at other opportunities. Japan is also, we're talking to a couple of distributors in Japan as well. Yeah. So I think the opportunity there is that there's a lack of brand. There's no brands. Right. Right. So if you can capitalize on, on that opportunity, mm-hmm. it's huge. Is there, what about growers and what's, what's kind of the regulatory environment out there? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just know what I can or can't do in my products. The, the other good, other good, I mean, for him, I mean, that, that's a savvy move on his end because the brands coming out of the States and even like Canada, they're, they're strong brand. You spend a lot of time on your logo and your packaging and things are ready to go, you know? Yeah. Um, so I could see the appeal, you know, for him to really sell the products because the products themselves have been put together in, in a in a creative and, and complex way. You know, like you've you've done a great job with your packaging and thought through the product and it's it's a plant based product. I mean, it, it kind of checks all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's yeah. that's kind of you to say. But yeah, so so far so good. Um, we'll see how it grows. He the the opportunity is much, much larger than I anticipated. So mm. we'll, we'll continue to keep you updated as how, how that develops. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to, you know, when you, when you uh, come to New York on, on, in February, I think we should also pick up that conversation with, uh, with everyone there. Yeah. I think a lot of people will be interested in see kind of where you can actually take these type of products. And that's kind of the question mark. So, you know, there's there's a lot of, at least in New York City, there's a lot of underground chefs that do like underground dinners and infused dinners and all that stuff. But one one knowledge tidbit that they're lacking is, okay, how can I start packaging some of my products so there are, you know, they, they can be branded and built and made the right way and, and be distributed across, you know, state lines or across the country or, or the world. Um, so like, you know, just hearing kind of your story would definitely benefit them. Um, you know, given that your product is very chef inspired and chef derived more than anything else. So I'm I'm excited to, to, for people to ask questions around that for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I think that when the opportunity arose, because we had all of our ducks in a row, Mm -hmm. like we had our UPC codes in place, which is 
Like just that in and of itself, right? Yeah. It's fascinating to me that the cannabis industry doesn't use UPC codes, right? Like there's not a uniformity of product offerings. Yeah, yeah. So like, anyway, so having those things all established allows for easy, much easier distribution. Of course. Right? Yeah. So, so we were certainly we had the brand and the the, the taste profile and a great product. Mm -hmm. But I think more importantly than that, for other folks who are thinking about doing it, is like get your shit together. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> I mean, just like you know, have your COAs available. Test every single production batch. Put mm -hmm. the best by date on it. All of those things that you know need to be thought through, like label it correctly, have a nutritional label, um, call out your allergens. All of those things um, that's like the staples of food production, right? Yeah. Of of creating packaged foods. Mm -hmm. Follow those rules so that you're ready to go when the opportunities arise. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people that, that, that you get, you're right. They're not as organized. They don't have all that stuff in, in, in a row. And you could, you're jumping at an opportunity like that if that happens. And if it's another country, you can do that as well. Um, well, for example, we, we source our, our CBD from a company out of Colorado. Mm -hmm. who's great. Very well. They have a great reputation. I love their practices. I visited their farms, blah, blah, blah. Um, and yet... They have sent me, you know, product that doesn't have a label on it, mm. which like technically I can't accept, <laughs> right? Like yeah. I cannot, I can't follow good manufacturing processes. I can't fo follow my standard operating procedures and accept, uh, you know, a jug of something. Of something, yeah. In a, right? Because in a, there's no traceability. Right. Like if there's a recall, I'm the one that's going to get sued, right? Yeah. Like these are great folks who are really trying to do the right thing and the way they're growing the hemp, mm -hmm. but they just didn't know what the repercussions were, right? They didn't know why it was so important to label appropriately. Right. I mean, there there should be some standardization in that realm, just like you said. Um, I, I know. Well, and that's on the FDA too, right? I mean, they're yeah, of not. Course. They're refusing to issue the regulations, so people don't know what to follow. But you know. But but, but there's pretty good modeling, right? We can look at what the, the you know, look at standard food safety and follow that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all definitely all part of it. Um, what, quick question on the, um, you mentioned, you know, now that your kind of dis distribution uh, is in China, is there any other countries that you guys are interested in or heard about or what's uh well, I'm talking, I'm talking to a distributor in Japan, um, so I'm interested in the Japanese marketplace. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly interested in what's going on in um, Europe, mm -hmm. but um, I haven't I, – I am interested in what's going on there. I don't know enough about it, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah. I think Europe will definitely take some time just because there's a, there's, a, there's a lot country to country. There's, you know – uh, everyone, I, I think everyone has a strong opinion about it, um, one way or the other. Um, I know in uh, South America, um, there's some opportunity. I think uh, countries like Colombia, Uruguay, they're just kind of tapping into it. Um, I know that they're growing. Um, so, you know, you never know. Uh, there's a lot of things uh, that can really pop up. Mexico, obviously. 
some good yeah. news about Mexico. So, yeah. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, so let's, uh, you mentioned that you guys are actually going to be having your own, um, I guess, experienced kitchen in, uh, in Oregon. So tell me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're them. opening up a Boring Life Cafe and Market. Okay. Um, the next short while here, um, and so we're going to feature Jun's cooking, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to have um, both our products um, and some other folks' products. Uh, so we're featuring other um, makers that we okay. admire and whose products we like. Um, and uh, do a hemp tasting bar so people can really, I want it to be really a space for education and um, folks to come and feel comfortable and relaxed and to, to try different things, try new things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to, we're going to be, uh, it's in work. It's in the works. I don't have an exact works. opening date yet. Okay. Um, but soon is what I will say. <laughs> okay. No, that sounds good. Okay. So I have a few last questions, um, more kind of like, um, rapid fire questions just to kind of round out the the quick little interview that we have here um do you have any sort of like unusual habit or like thing that you do um to kind of just you know to get to get you like de-stressed or relaxed you know because you know the startup life is a little bit rigorous um it's a lot rigorous so how do you kind of um how do you kind of unwind or 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 you know make your make yourself feel better i do meditate every day mm. for 30 minutes in the morning it's the first thing i do okay um i try not to check my phone before i do that uh, it's okay. much it's much more effective meditating <laughs> if i don't <laughs> refer to my phone beforehand uh, mm-hmm. but it really really helps me to move my mind from what do i have to do uh and and slash everything's you know, uh, negative to yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for this life. <laughs> and that's, you always got to come back to that. You always have to, you know, no matter how bad things are. I mean, it's always, it's always that, that gratitude that always kind of brings you back, you know? Well, it's like, uh, you know, we live on a farm here and we have um, some, some tracks out here in the, in the field. Yeah. And it's really easy to fall into those tracks. Uh-huh. You know, that's how my mind groove goes. Yeah. So what I find meditating does is that it, it snaps me out of that and lets me establish a new path. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are some bad recommendations that you hear from people in kind of the industry? Or misconceptions? Misconceptions. Um, gosh, you stumped me on that one. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of, I get a lot of solicitations on a daily basis from suspicious sourcing. <laughs> so right. cheap is not the best. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of, yeah, uh, a lot of black market stuff, a lot of things that, you know, they're trying yeah. to just make a buck um, yeah. and, and pawn it off to something else. So especially if, if people are, you know, trying to pass things off, which, you know, what they're not. Um, I know there's a lot of like bootleg type of products out there that people, especially in New York city. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's rampant. Um, mm-hmm. so last question. Um, is there any sort of really cheap investment that you've made in like kind of the past year, year and a half that you're like, wow, 
I made my money back tenfold. And it could be anything. It could be like, uh, I don't know, um, a product. It could be uh, a, a little service. Um, I would say it's always in like investing in people, mm. right? Investing in, in my, my time into other people. Like okay. instead of like, what can I get from them? Like how can I help them? And every time I invest like, you know, my time and energy into other folks, I get it back like a thousand times over, cool. you know, yeah. just like, like I was talking about with the, like, uh, you know, industry groups or, you know, my staff, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. anything, anything I invest in my staff, I get back a thousand times over. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that. Okay. So how can people get a hold of you? Um, and what are, is there anything in particular that you're looking for? It's like who you're looking to connect with um, and whatnot. Yeah. So my, anyone can email me anytime or call me anytime. Uh, my email is Serafina at a boring life. Mm-hmm. Um, and our contact information is on our website, of course, at boringlife.com. Okay. Um, and what I'm looking at, uh, looking for, I'm always looking for partners, you know, anybody that wants to, uh, collaborate, um, work together to move this industry forward. Yeah. Um, I'm always looking for additional distribution or placement, um, but primarily just building community. That's what I'm really looking forward cool. for. 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 <laughs> yeah. now that, that sounds great. Um, and obviously you're going to meet the rest of the panelists once you come to New York. Um, I know Chris has a pretty, uh, sorry, Scott has a pretty uh, vast network as well. Um, and then, uh, David and Rachel as well. So I, I, I'm very excited for you guys to interact. I think it'll yeah, be me cool too. I'm to, to, it very much. to be around and, and whatnot. And also, you know, you've been to New York a bunch of times and, and whatnot, but I think it's going to be a different environment than like a fancy food show or whatnot. I think people are going to be a lot more captive and a lot more, um, open to, to the products and, and what you guys bring to the table. Oh, yeah. I mean, the food industry is still like, wait, what? <laughs> very suspicious yeah. of hemp. Yeah. Very suspicious and very um, on the fence about it. So mm-hmm. I've definitely gotten some strongly worded advice from, you know, real um, uh, pioneers in the natural food industry who have told mm-hmm. me what I'm doing is absolutely the worst idea ever. Yeah, so, you'll, you'll yeah, get a lot so of those people. To around people who are all like like-minded. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's that's the space you want to be in for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Serafina, being on this episode. Um, like we mentioned, that you'll be in New York City on February twenty seventh in uh, at the Bootleg Avocado Presents. Um, thanks, Serafina. We'll be in touch. Okay. Thank you so much. Oh, 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 oh,